My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Steve Young is a Hall of Fame quarterback, two-time league MVP, Super Bowl champion, and Super Bowl MVP. And when Steve retired from football, he was the highest-rated quarterback in NFL history. After football, Steve worked as a broadcaster for ESPN and ABC for more than two decades on NFL shows such as Monday Night Countdown, NFL Countdown, and as co-host of ABC's Super Bowl pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. As a businessman, Steve co-founded Huntsman Gay Global Capital, a multi-billion dollar private equity firm that has completed more than $50 billion of transactions. Steve has also been a corporate spokesperson for companies such as Toyota, Marriott, Visa, and Nike. As a philanthropist, Steve founded the Forever Young Foundation, a global charity for children who face significant physical, emotional, and financial challenges, and provides them academic, athletic, and therapeutic opportunities. Steve earned both his undergraduate degree and JD from Brigham Young University. I hope you enjoyed learning from Steve Young today, because I always do. Steve, great to connect again today. Ten years ago, we taught a youth Sunday school class together. And although you are most well-known for your work in football, broadcasting, and business, you are also an incredible teacher, so I look forward to our conversation today. I, I wish you would tell my kids that because uh, <laughs> they I swear to you, just today, I was giving them tips about how to do homework during the day so that they can get through in all their sports and everything else during the day in class, like actually as class happened, I was trying to give them tips and all that stuff. And literally, they just like, Dad, talk to the hand. I don't, I'm sick of talking, hearing from you. I don't like, they just don't, my voice is like, scratch paper to them so i'm i'm the fact that you think i'm a good teacher i needed that today because they don't they don't care my kids hey one of the goals of this podcast was to record lessons for my kids that someday i hope they'll someday. want to listen to that's so. what i wanted so one yeah. day i want my kids to watch this podcast because i'm talking to them exactly exactly <laughs> so so future young kids uh pay attention here because steve as you think back on your incredible career are, are there one, two, three lessons that you would most want to pass on to others and your kids? Yes, fundamentals. And the, and the funny thing is football, people think it's a game and, you know, but I think it's the truth in that because there's a, a clock and a score and a field and referees and 80,000 witnesses, uh, there's no lying. There's no faking. There's no, you can't create anything. It's just the truth. And so the human behavior that happens on there, I've found there's more truth sitting, you know, if you pay attention on the football field than probably anywhere uh, in, in the human experience. I'm sure there's others. I don't want to belabor it, but, but the most important one that I learned was around, you know, the screw ups because inevitably, you know, Think something bad would happen and 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 you're you're embarrassed because you've 80,000 people just witnessed it and your teammates just witnessed it and and you and you didn't mean for it to happen even though some of the I think some of the initial reactions from my teammates were wondering if I did it on purpose you know it's like how could you <laughs> how could you do that so poorly and and so you have this human reaction to to first of all tell them I didn't do this on purpose I would never do, and I'm so, I don't know what to say. How did this happen? And, and, and that's what they wanted to know. It was like, how did this happen? 
how did it, how did this go down? I don't, I, I need to know. We just lost the game. Everyone's bummed out. We've all been fighting all day long to try to, to do this. And this happened, explain it. And so I would, I would explain it because I don't, I don't want you to think that I did it on purpose one and that it was just like inexplicable. Like I, I need to tell you that you missed a block or you turned the wrong way or, and these are, I wasn't making excuses. I was telling the truth. Uh, or the ball was wet or, you know, it's just stuff that happened and they were all kind of mitigating circumstances. And what happened is that my teammates could care less. I could tell that it was like, Oh, they just, they didn't respond to it. Yeah. And about the 30th time I'd screwed up, I finally realized what they need to hear from me right now is that the ball's in my hands and now it's in their hands. And fundamentally I screwed it up. It screwed it up. doesn't matter how much mitigation, no matter how much, because in football, there's 22 people running around. You think there's not some mitigation in everything? Of course. But fundamentally, what happened? Fundamentally, I screwed up. That's the, that's the truest truth. And I think that's the lesson that I really want my kids to understand is there's truths, like the receiver turned the wrong way or you didn't, hit your, you didn't make your block, but there's a truer truth. What's the truest truth? Is that I screwed it up. And find the truest truth. And then own it. And then that's half of it. The humility and the discipline and the maturity to recognize that the truest truth in this situation is, and this is, and marriage just happens to me all the time in conversations with my wife, when I feel like, well, wait a second, what, you know, there's mitigation. There's like, this is not, and then Steve, what's the truest truth? You know what? I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. All right. Like, it's hard for me to admit, but it's the truth. And so having that muscle that you develop um and watch for and actually look look out like I'm, I'm watching for places where i can have some sense of the truest amount of accountability is so vital because if i can teach my kids one thing it would be to have the humility or the the awareness to see when you've screwed something up and then the other side of that is to go fix it again the humility and the discipline and um, the honor to go fix your screw up. And I, I think so much in life is about ducking and dodging and avoiding and, and, and working around. And, 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 and you know, I, I just found the most beautiful, bountiful, abundant places in my life have come when I have owned the truest truth of responsibility and accountability and then gone and fixed it. There's something beautiful in that around. And I think that's maybe because that's my theology is that God's put us here to learn and grow. And so in many ways, screw-ups are those wonderful moments of opportunity. And, and, I don't, and don't let them go by, let alone trying to duck them. Like take them on and let's, let's go learn and grow. And, uh, and that sense of accountability, when I started to do that with the team, my teammates, I'd you know, when I'd screw it up and they'd say, what happened? And I'd be like, don't worry about what happened. The fact is I screwed it up yeah. and they would go to the sidelines and you could see the energy. I tell them, look, go, let's go rest up. I won't screw up again. Let's go win the game. And they'd be like, yeah, let's go do that. And, and, and it was funny. And then the sidelines, people would ask, oh, so what happened out there? And, and then they would found accountability. Like, well, I missed my block and I turned the wrong way. It's like, all of a sudden you sent a cascade of accountability into a system that if you 
that you could have turned into mitigation because once mitigation gets started, it's like a flood itself. There's a flood of accountability or mitigation. And, and I always joke about Nate, that if you love, I don't care if you love or hate football, but everyone should watch the quarterback, the losing quarterback after a football game, go watch the press conference because every losing quarterback has to go in front of the media. Yeah. And what do they ask the losing quarterback every time, every game? Yeah, what, happened? Lose. <laughs> yeah, what happened? What happened? Right? And then all you got to do is put your ear to the next few sentences and think to yourself, is this mitigating or is this accounting? And, and, and the great players, the players that don't lose very often, always speak in words of accountability. And those that are immature or not capable of leading, not ready to go take, they're going to talk about what all the things that I did originally, like what, what are the missing people? What are the things that happened? What are the, and, and, and it just doesn't work in leading human beings. You've got to, they've got to see you accountable at those key moments, especially. So that's the one, that's one of the five lessons that I think is vital. Um, people always say, well, how do you be a great leader? Well, this is how you be a great leader. Yeah. Show the humility and the vulnerability for when you screw up and then own it and then go fix it because nobody really wants to follow somebody more than when they have gone through that cycle with someone and sees that, yeah, we screwed it up, but they owned it, fixed it. And now look where we are. And there's a, there's a, there's a beautiful thing in it. So that's one, that's a long one, but that's probably the first thing that pops in my mind. Well, see, this is what I love about you is, is you take the game of football, which I remember Tom Holmo telling me years ago that the football is a smart man's game and it doesn't always seem that way. Uh, <laughs> but you, you you do have an advantage if you're smart about it, but you you take football that isn't always seen that way and, and you take some great lessons from it. I've never thought of football as a place where you have a chance to practice forgiveness, mm. repent, repentance kindness mm. i mean what i think are some of the most important values but when right. you screw up these are the things that you humility discipline maturity like you said you're able to pull so many fantastic lessons from your right well, and, and because it's so raw because it's happening right eighty thousand people just saw it happen like how many times do you screw up yeah and five people see it zero people see it or 10 or but when eighty thousand see it it's like there's a rawness to it there's like how are what what's the what what's the human experience because this is as as raw as it gets and uh um anyway i i think that uh i i some of the most important truths i i learned on the field that's for sure okay how about maybe one or two more and and what i want to ask you about is when when you screwed up early on in your career you had some players that were bad mouthing you and saying how bad you did and and number 42 on your team had you, could you tell that story? Sure. Well, it leads to a couple of stories from him. This is Ronnie Lott. Ronnie was at USC safety, was on to an all pro at 49ers and then a Hall of Fame career. He's one of the great safeties of all time. And and can he, I just say too, Steve, my brother was number 42 in high school because of Ronnie Lott. Yeah. Well, a lot of 42s out there from yeah. Ronnie Lott. Uh, and we were, uh, I, was a, I was the odd duck. I showed up. The 49ers were Super Bowl teams every year. They'd won two or three. Uh, Bill Walsh was the coach. Joe Montana was the quarterback. Jerry Rice was the receiver. Brian Lott was a safety. You know, Roger Craig. I mean, it just went on and on. And uh, um, and but Bill Walsh brought me in because he thought Joe wasn't going to play very much longer. And so it was just awkward from the beginning. 
And because of that awkwardness, my teammates felt like they needed to defend Joe. And so there would be moments when I could hear them wrestle or rumble or say things about me and how my, you know, like under their breath or anything like that, just kind of letting me know that you're, you're a foreign body in this place and you're not, you're not welcome in some ways. And, uh, and you could just, it was, and it was rough on me the first few months. It was just rough. I'd go home and I'd, I'd want to tear up and call, you know, friends. I mean, I was just rough. And so in one practice, I threw a ball and it was bad and loudly, not under their breath. Someone says, you suck or, you know, you're terrible <laughs> or, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know, and right then Ronnie Lott came over and confronted those guys that had said that and stopped practice essentially and said, look, I think everyone, I want everyone to understand when my father uh, was raising me, he told me that no matter where I went, no matter what I did, no matter where, what happened in my life, he had my back. That was a fundamental truth that I've lived with and, 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 I, and I found it so important. And I think it's important right here for me to tell you that no matter what Steve does, no matter what happens on this team, no matter what is going, he is here and I have his back. And that's how this is going to go down. And it just, you could feel everything just change. Like suddenly I had a place. Suddenly I was, I had a space to go make my way. Um, and it wasn't like I was just all of a sudden applauded and exercise, you know, got, you know, all this sex, yeah. but I, but, but he gave me the space, a fair shake, I'll call it. And I'm always grateful for that, for him to stand up and say that. And I've, I've many times told teams that I've talked to in the, in the past years about, I got your back that the most fundamental part of football because of the truth that's happening on the field is that we have to have a sense of shared common experiences. And because of that, we share an element of love for each other, respect, uh, care, whatever you want to say to the word, we know who's, who's in the huddle with us. We look at the other person. We don't just see a number. We see someone that we have an emotional connection with. And because of that, we'll play together better. And I got your back is a theme that I've used 49ers in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl had these t-shirts with IGYB on their back I got your back and it was a really inspirational thing so it's a it's I really remember and not many players stop practice and take control like not many not many could (laughs) not many could but that's the great Ronnie Lott well, Steve, what fantastic lesson. I love this as football is the truth, truth, because it is so raw. And there are witnesses, as you said. Well, any final lesson you want to share as we wrap up here? Uh, I've got a few in my pocket, Nate. Because we're on the Ronnie Lott train, uh, he taught me something else that I've really, it has implications, I think, you know, everywhere. I've always said if it's true on the football field, it's true everywhere. But he taught the principle that competition, is a sacred ground that in that space where there's winners and losers, you have to have respect at all times because in the end, winners and losers learn. There's opportunities to grow. There's opportunities to, to get better. And he said, we use competition to get better. Everybody in the competition uses it to get better. And when we disrespect each other, we, 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 we disrespect the sacred nature of competition because if anything good's going to come out of it, it needs to come out of what we've learned from the experience. And so anybody, if somebody was like, it's, you know, you suck, you're terrible, you loser, you're like, he would freak out. 
Huh. It's like, this is not, because to him, it, the competition is the opportunity. Not the winning and losing, but the competition is the opportunity. The winning and losing is just what you learn, how you grow, what you can take from it, how you can find a, a better path. Like, But that didn't define the experience. And I just, I really appreciate that because in the end, we're in a competitive environment in the world. We have to compete to breathe, to, to eat, to, to work. To, there's all that, 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 that dynamic that's just the nature of how God set it up. But if we take it as a sacred space and don't have to just shame people or right, you know, uh, uh, have to judge like, oh, they're not like me or I don't, I know that they're bad people. I know it's like we're we, we've got to make the kind of the human experience more of a sacred space, like Ronnie Lott said, so that we can grow, we can learn, make the space for people to grow and learn. They don't they don't necessarily have to agree with you. They don't necessarily be just like you, or they don't have to, but seek places and ways where you can find um, uh, an environment where you can say to yourself, I want you to grow and learn, just like I want me to grow and learn. And I don't want to shame you or judge you or cause you grief. Um, yeah, I'll tell you a funny little story just not to end it. I'm at the, I'm at the uh, light. I was late. Barb had me doing something. I was late. I had to hustle. And I was at this, uh, this light turning left, uh, waiting for the arrow behind a guy. And the, the light turned green. And I'm like, bro go you know but then i thought what do you do because i feel like in that we're in this we're in a relationship now we're in it we're in the space and now we have this and i thought to myself you know i'm gonna just take a couple of breaths he'll figure it out and i don't want to create an odd feeling with each other when i kind of honk at him and you know yell at him or like i just don't i don't want that kind of vibe so i just i did i actually did it i actually breathed a couple of times just sit there and you know what he ended up going and then he turned and I turned and I've noticed I, I, we got to the next light. We're sitting next to each other. And I felt this strange feeling of like, hey, bro, huh? we got a good peaceful situation here. <laughs> we got a lot of space to kind of learn and go. It's such a stupid example, but it's how simple that really is. And, and if we think about it a lot, I think we can learn about sacred spaces as, hum, as humans and how we can make a space for other people. Anyway, uh, just a thought as we as we head out, I will. I wrote this book, The Law of Love, and I think there's an element of that in that story about Rodney Lott, where it's just finding a way to see others and have a sense of in that relationship, however brief or how intimate uh, it could be, that I really do seek your healing. I seek your your goodness, your 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 wellness. And if I make that my North Star, life gets pretty cool. I have to say, this just reminds me of an experience I had in high school. I was starting on varsity football. I was finally starting to make a name for myself and we were playing our rival. And I decided to tell the rival how good I was. It was the only time in my life that I ever really just like got after it in terms of trash talk. And what happened is, is I violated that sacred ground, right? It wasn't in that moment. It wasn't about me respecting the competition. I, I tried to turn it into all about me and they busted my ankle. And I deserved it. <laughs> and I was depressed. I was depressed <laughs> wow. for six weeks until mm. somebody told me like, look, the reason you have talents is to bless the lives of others. And it yeah. hit me like, yeah, I'd, I'd violated it. You know, we were in the arena together and I broke the contract, right? You know, I, I broke the social contract or agreement. I wasn't respecting them. And well, and there, and, and Nate, there's bullies. There's people who win, who who break that sacred contract every week. Like there's people who are champions. Yeah. 
that have done it. I'm just saying there's a more abundant way to do it. In the short uh, run, you can, you can win. In the I short believe. run, you can yeah. be you can be a champion for a day, yeah. but it it will it will wilt over a period of time. And so I just that finding that abundance in relationships as brief as that guy at the light. Like you can't tell me there's any more brief <laughs> relationship you can have in life or getting in an elevator. Well, those brief encounters with other humans. Like if we think about how can I, what can I do? I can I, I just want to tell you one last quick story. Oh yeah. A guy wrote after I wrote the book, he said, Steve, I got to tell you that, that I, I had an experience where I was the, um, uh, the janitor for an inner city school. And there ha- there was a security guard that worked at the inner city school with me. And for years, he would be there first because of his his role. I, w- I would come in second. And it was so early in the morning. Whenever I'd see him, he'd be at the, his post. And I'd say, hey, great to see you today. And I that's what I did every day. And then we went on with our day. And he said, just recently, I got a letter from his wife because he passed away. And he had a letter for me. And in the letter, he said, essentially, I just want to thank you, the difference you made in my life, because every day I started with a great sense of spirit and camaraderie and love. And the guy was telling me, Steve, I got to be honest with you. All I did was say, hey, wow. you know, every day, hey, and because there's a spirit in it and a sense that I was seeing this man, like I could, he was a part of my life and it mattered to me to take that moment. That in those brief encounters over a period of time, I don't know how many letters he wrote to people who changed his life, but I get you, I bet you it's single digit. Yeah. I bet you it's not that many. And I was one of them because I'm the hey guy. <laughs> it's just, I think there's there's a lesson in that, is that that's an intention. I intend to bring a spirit to my relationships, no matter how brief or how intimate. And I want to bring that spirit of healing. Because in the great healer of the Savior, that's really the, we can't save anybody, but we can heal people. We can bring a spirit of healing. And it's like, and you want to be living abundantly? Do that every day. And I just appreciate those lessons for people that have taught me how to think about and intend every day in every relationship. Can I make it more abundant? Can I bring a spirit to it? What can I say to my wife when I'm frustrated? that would bring a spirit of healing, not a spirit of contention. Like it's so simple, but yet so profound. So anyway, I, you've, you got me started. You're like winding up a, a, a I don't know, a toy, you know, now I got to just energize your bunny. I got to, I got to, I got to let it all, I got to let it all out. You know, this is, this is fantastic. I could listen to you for hours. I, I read your books. So fortunately I get a, I get to get in your head a little bit. Uh, I've just I loved that. It. Hey, you, I just appreciate you spending time with me today. As I mentioned, you're an incredible teacher, whether you're learning and teaching stuff from football or an interaction you have at a street light. What I appreciate about you is it's all about building people. Like you said, healing them, living abundantly. Uh, I, you know, we witnessed that again today. I hope your kids appreciate this someday. I, I know <laughs> someday, they do. <laughs> someday my kids will be watching this. They go, dad, why is your lighting so bad? Because, honey, I'm sitting in a car downtown San Francisco while I drop mom and you off for a concert you're going to. And I didn't want you to have to drive up here. So that's why the lighting's so bad. So just, you know, take the lesson and move on. (laughs) Just the fact that you're sitting in a car waiting for them to do an interview. Again, Steve, love it. Great lessons. Really appreciate you having me today. You're a good man. Anytime we be together, count me in.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. What great lessons from one of the most successful people of all time. First, find the truest truth and then own it. Steve learned that when he screwed up and then took accountability rather than talk mitigation, he created a cascade of accountability on his team. If you want to be a great leader, show humility and vulnerability when you screw up and then own it and fix it. Second, I got your back. When Steve was new on the 49ers and one of the players told him he sucked, Ronnie Lott stopped practice and told the players that he had Steve's back. Knowing that Ronnie had his back changed everything for Steve. Third, competition is sacred ground. When we respect our opponents, including the person in front of us at the light, or the person who shows up to work before us that we say hey to, and we seek their goodness, wellness, and healing, life gets pretty good. Steve has made a career out of making others look good, and he just gave us a roadmap for how to do it. Don't blame others. Instead, have their back and seek their goodness. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three requests and one suggestion. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Third, if you give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And now a suggestion. If you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that previous guests have shared. Thanks for your support.